Well, we are going to start a brand new series today called The Power of Words. And we all know how powerful words can be, right? We all got that. But we can go through life and there's like these maybe little sins that no one pays attention to, right? Like white lies or maybe a, just a little bit of gossip here, there, or maybe some complaining or, you know, these things that like kind of just brush away um, and never really encourage ourselves to change in that area. But the truth is, is these little things that we sometimes can do, they have a deadly price tag attached to them. Uh, our words can destroy relationships. They can weaken our ability to represent Christ. And they can separate us from what God really wants us to walk in. So in this series, yes, we're going to acknowledge some of those things, like gossip or lying or things like that. But what I'm really hoping for is that more than our words can they get us into trouble, but our words can be a powerful representation of Christ to our world. And they can build people up and they can bring life to others. So you all know this uh, saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? That is the furthest thing from the truth, isn't it? That it's more like sticks and stones may bruise or break my bones and it'll heal for, it'll take a little bit of time to heal, but words can wound me for a lifetime. Isn't that the truth? Um, and in this series, we're going to look at that. One of our, our key Bible verse for this series comes out of Proverbs 18.21, where it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Ain't that the truth? Words are powerful. Another way to put it, Proverbs 15.4 says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You ever wanted to crush someone's spirit? I have. So it's one of those moments, right, we get to admit, like, wanted to crush someone's spirit. I've wanted to crush a, a spirit of a friend before, um, from uh, my, my wife, my parents, my sibling. You get angry. Everyone gets angry, right? You get in those moments where it's just like, I just want to hurt you somehow. And since I can't use my hands, I will use my words. Um, I saw this really funny meme the other uh, couple weeks back, and then I saw you can buy it, uh, a poster, and hang it on your wall. And I was thinking, like, who buys this poster? But um, it was a poster of a dad at a park, and he's kneeling down. He's on one knee, and he has, a, he has his hand on his son's shoulder, and he's this little child. And uh, the saying at the bottom says, son, if you can't say something nice, say something clever but devastating. Mm. <laughs> And there's something in you, right, that goes like, oh, that's kind of, that's a, you know, like I want to probably teach my son that because, like, that, that's good, right? But it's like, why do I feel like I want to hang that on my wall sometimes? Um, one of my good friends back when me and my wife first got into a life group when we were, like, 21, we got into a young married life group, a good friend of mine gave me some really good marital argument advice. He said, you know what, Nate, sometimes you can't always win an argument, but you can logically destroy your wife. And I was like, that's pretty good advice, you know, this newly married guy. And so uh, this time me and my wife got in an argument, and I just knew I wasn't winning, right? We know you've been there before too, right? But I looked at her, and I was like, babe, I could logically destroy you right now. <laughs> it was a very poor choice of words. That's not good marital advice. Don't, 
don't do that. Don't do that at all. But there's something inside us, right, that just, when you get to that moment in a friendship or in a marriage or with your siblings or with a, you're a parent or a teacher at school or whatever it is, you get those moments where it's like, I want to hurt you with my words. <laughs> and that is something we all at times deal with, whether it be lying, gossiping, complaining, criticizing, whatever it may be, our words can be hurtful. But words can be used like this uh, proverb says, words can bring life or death. Words can be life-giving to people or they can be life-taking. Words can create and build or words can destroy. Words can demolish. One of the most powerful weapons that the enemy uses inside the church is our words. There is nothing more than what Satan wants is for this church to cease to exist. There is nothing more than what the enemy wants is the church in America or around the globe for it to crumble and fall. And one of the ways that the enemy uses is your words, my words, and other people's. The enemy... What he often tries to do is to bring division between relationship. And he knows if he can bring division between relationship in the form of our words, lying, gossiping, cheating, complaining, criticizing, whatever it may be, if the enemy can drive a wedge between people, he can separate. And full denominations in history have split over words. Churches have crumbled over words. People have left the faith over words. And the enemy, one of his most powerful weapons, is our words. But what's also interesting is one of the greatest tools, if not the greatest tool God has given us, is this right here, his word, his words. And what God also wants to do is he wants to use not only his words, but his words inside of you and his words inside of me to build, to create, and to lift up and to bring new life. God wants to use your words to build the church, to mend broken relationships, to seek forgiveness. God wants to use your words as a wellspring of life and someone who is depressed, for someone who may be suicidal. God wants to use your words to bring hope and life into a person's life. And God has built his church using his words. His words. The Bible talks a lot about the power of words. In here, you can find Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse, Old Testament, New Testament, and everything in between about words. The apostles talk about it. Jesus talks about it. The major, minor prophets talk about it. Words is a powerful and common theme throughout the Bible. Let me just read you some. You, and feel free, do a word search during my sermon at any point, just on words or the tongue or anything like that, and see how much the Bible talks about this. But I'm just going to read you a small sampling. It's not going to be up here on the screen, but you can just listen. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. 
From the fruit of his lips, a man enjoys good things, but the unfaithful have a craving for violence. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is, a, is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. That's just a small sampling, but the Bible speaks to our words. Our words are powerful. Our words can bring life and our words can bring death. And words at times can be like poison, where they seep into you, where someone says a, a, a word to you that tears you down and it seeps in and it's almost like poison that affects your heart, it affects your mind, it affects how you think about yourself, it affects how you view yourself, and that poison can seep all the way down to the soul and even to the very thing of how you view God. Our words are like poison if we're not careful. And David talks about this in one, one of his psalms, in Psalm 140, where he writes to God, and he's talking, uh, and he's giving this prayer to God, saying, Lord, help me, because he was saying that there are evil men. Protect me from the evil people that have evil plans in their heart against me. And he goes on, and he says, their tongues, these evil people, their tongues sting like snakes. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Our words can be like poison. The picture that I get of, of this words like poison is from Jurassic Park. Any Jurassic Park fans in here? Come on. Those of you who don't like Jurassic Park, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's great. It is a great movie, okay? All of them are good from start to finish, okay? But in the first Jurassic Park where, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I wrote it down here. Uh, Dennis, nerdy, or I like to call him Newman from Seinfeld, okay? Where, <laughs> where uh, Dennis, he's trying to escape, and so he gets in the Jeep in the middle of the night, and it's raining, and he's trying to escape, and he gets stuck in the mud, and then he gets out of his Jeep, and he's trying to unhook his Jeep, and then he encounters like this little raptor. You remember this part? Those of you? He encounters this little raptor, and then he... Uh, ends up thinking he gets away, but then he turns around again, and there it is. And then it opens up, it's like fins or gills, or what do you call that on a dinosaur? Like, I don't know. And it's just like, you know? <laughs> and then it spits the poison in his face. Do you remember that, what I'm talking about? And then it spits poison on his face, and then it eats him alive. But our words can be like that raptor, which is like, and then you just like, you know, like your words are just like poison in someone's face. And you know people like this, okay? And if you're like this, then I'm sorry. But you know people in your workplace, right? It's like, oh, don't go around that person because they're just like, and just, you know, like spit on you or people at your school that if you go into your school, like, oh my gosh, stay away from her because she's just going to, you know, and, and spit poison on you where they're mean, they're disgruntled, they complain, they criticize. And that poison that spews out, it affects the body, the soul, the mind, and the heart. Have you ever been hurt by words? Come on, we've all been there. By a family member, from a father, a mother, from your husband, your ex-wife, your best friend. <laughs> At least you thought they were your best friend. We've all been hurt. Saying things like, you're such a disappointment. I hate you. Thanks for nothing. 
maybe shaming your body, who you are. You get into an argument and you just say something that you know you shouldn't have said. But those words don't go away. But it's not just those really deep and intense words, right? It's even insignificant things that we may think don't affect anyone. Have you ever been a part of a it's not you, it's me conversation? I'm sorry. Those hurt too, right? I remember uh, one time, my first homecoming I went to when I was a sophomore in high school. And I didn't even drive, but like, it's okay. Your parents drive you to homecoming. Who cares, right? And so I was at homecoming. I really liked this girl. And she started coming to youth group. That's when I knew she liked me. Guys, take a cue if you're in high school, okay? <laughs> she starts coming to youth group. That's a good sign, okay? So she started coming to youth group, and we went to homecoming together. After homecoming, I was really excited because I was going to see her at youth group again. And uh, I show up, and she's not there. I'm like, ah, what's going on? 15 minutes after youth group starts, her friend shows up. And I'm like, hey, where's so-and-so? And she's like, oh, she doesn't like you anymore. I'm like, what do you mean she doesn't like me anymore? And she's like, yeah, it's because you wear hats. I wear hats? I've never worn a hat since then. <laughs> now when I go look for a hat, it's like I got to check the shape of my face. and like, is everything okay? And hats are bad, man, all right? <laughs> but those little words, right? I still wear hats, okay? Those little words, but I remember that. And isn't it funny how I remember that? I'm sure she said nice things to me. I'm sure she said like, hey... You look good today in your homecoming garb or your whatever, right? And it's like, I'm sure she said nice things. But isn't it funny how we remember the thing that stings, the more insignificant comment, the thing that you don't think is going to mean that much? And isn't it funny how you can look back on past relationships, and a lot of times what you remember is those little comments, the little comment about the hat, the little comment about, did you really mean to do your hair that way today? It's those little things. Our words can be like poison if we're not careful. We must be careful what we say because it only takes 10 seconds to say something hurtful, but 10 years later, the hurt can still be there. Isn't that the truth? We are to give life-giving words. Our words can be poison. But our words can also bring life to the body, the soul, the mind. What we speak can uplift someone's spirit. Those words that are like, I believe in you. You are so special. I love you. You can do it. I love the way that you look. Thank you for who you are. Those words that bring life, those are really, really good words. They can uplift someone. Lately, I've been telling my wife all the time, and this word's kind of like, it's in the middle, it's in the gray zone, okay? But only say this if you're married, okay? Is I've been telling her like, babe, I'm so obsessed with you. <laughs> and she's like, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> Don't say that to your boyfriend or girlfriend, okay? That's creepy. <laughs> only said in the right context. Can it be really good? You'll creep someone out if you go up to your teacher and say, I'm so obsessed with you. <laughs> not going to end well. Don't say that to your boss or your coworker, all right? It's not going to get you the promotion you're hoping for. But words can change the entire course of someone's day. 
Have you ever just been really sad or had a bad day and someone just said something nice to you, complimented you on something or maybe a new shirt you bought or whatever, and it just uplifted your day? You just felt good? Words can change the trajectory of your day, your week, your month. Your words can change someone else's day. Your words can change someone else's life. Oftentimes, God speaks through other people to encourage the heart or the soul. Oftentimes, God speaks through other people to prophetically say something over their life or who they are. Mother Teresa says, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Isn't that true? A kind word is so easy to say. Some of the most significant moments in my life as a young person that came at an early age was when someone just said something good and nice to me. I remember those times that I had a camp counselor at camp who just spoke encouragement into my life. Those times that my parents sat me down as a child and just told me how proud they were of me and what they were going to do, what I was going to do in my life. Those times that someone prayed over me and just spoke prophetically into my life, who I was going to be, the type of man or pastor or leader I was going to be, I will remember those for the rest of my days. That those words are so life-giving. So I just want to give us a few practical steps that we want to be a people who speaks life into others and not takes life from others. And so I want to give us a few practical steps for that. First one is this, is we need to protect ourselves from destructive words. You actually have to protect yourselves because we all know that there's people in our world or in your life or at your work or whatever that say destructive words. And we want to protect ourselves from that. We cannot control what other people say, but you can control what you believe about yourself. What we allow into our heart, the, those words that, how deep down do you let them go? You have to be able to recognize, is this the truth from God or is this just garbage from your mouth? And you need to distill that and be able to throw things out. Is it truth or is it trash, right? This is what Proverbs says in uh, chapter 4, verse 20. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words, right? Listen closely to my words, what's in here. This is what truth is. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. We must guard ourselves, protect ourselves from destructive words, and understand that God's words, this is what we are to put in our heart. So that means when someone at your work just says that stupid, nagging comment again about you or your work, at, you know, whatever it may be, that you just have to know, no, that's not who I am. God made me this way, or my faith is good, or those, those times that you're in those poor relationships and someone says, I don't love you, you won't amount to anything, you guard yourself and go, no, that is a bunch of garbage because who God says I am is I am a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has a plan for me. It's in those moments that says you'll never amount to anything that you go, no, God has a purpose for me, a plan to prosper me. And, and it's in those moments that you have have to be able to distill what can I allow to seep into my heart because there's a lot of trash out there right there's a lot of trash out there and it and what we can't control is all the trash out there but you can control what you put in your heart 
and what you believe about yourself. Are you a child of God? Are you dearly loved? Have you been equipped for a mission? Are you God's masterpiece? Are you a son or daughter of, of our God? Are you a brother or sister in Christ? Yes, you are. Those are the things that we can believe. You are not what others have said you are. Those times that are destructive and hurtful, you are who God says you are. God has created you for a purpose. You are God's masterpiece. Guard your heart against those things that are destructive. Next is speak life-giving words to others every chance you get. Every chance you get. And this is like, seems so easy and obvious, but we all struggle with it. I struggle with it. It seems so easy. Like if you think something nice, say it. If you think something good about someone, say it. How many times have you thought like, oh, I should go thank this person or say this nice thing. Or, I was really happy how they did that. Or whether it was a teacher, a coach, a husband, a wife, a friend, and you just didn't say it. If you think something nice, say it. Um, there's a famous book um, called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's by Dale Carnegie. It was written in 1936, and its principles are still used. They're taught in universities. They're, there's business trainings. If you're in the business world, you know this book because you've probably been trained in it as well. But it's, I think the title of the book, it, it, does, it misrepresents the book a little bit. I was like, How to Influence and Win Friends. It sounds like kind of how to trick people into liking you. That's really not what the book is about at all. Really, this book, a better title for it is just how to be a nice person. <laughs> That's what the book, who has read the book? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's just how to be a nice person. And isn't it funny how in 1936 or still today, people still need to learn. They need to learn how to be a nice person. And here's some of his most uh, key principles that lay a foundation for the whole book because he has all these principles. Go read it sometime if you want to. I was going to bring two copies and hand them out to be like, who needs to be a nice person and see who raises their hand. But I was like, ah, I don't know if that's good. Like up there, you're kind of mean, right? Like boom. <laughs> but here's one of his principles is never criticize, condemn, or complain. Another one is smile. Uh, right? It's so easy and practical. It's just how to be nice. Give honest and sincere appreciation. Or he says, lavish people with praise. Lavish people, with, give real appreciation. We've all been given flattery before, right? And flattery is super cheap. Flattery means nothing. You can get flattery, you know, go to a bar and you can get flattery, Right? Flattery is cheap. Here's what Henry Drummond, theologian, says, an educator. He says, we have all felt the brazenness of words without emotion, the hollowness, the unaccountable, unpersuasive of eloquence behind which lies no love. We've felt that before. You know when someone says something and there's nothing behind it. Flattery is cheap. Women, wives, you know this, right? You try an outfit on, and you're like, do I look good, right? And your husband's like, yeah, you look great. You're like, you didn't even look at me, right? 
That's what we're talking about here, right? When you do something that you put your, your heart and your soul into at work, and, and you know, your boss is like, yeah, great job, Tom. And you're just like, that's it? That's all you have? Like, flattery is cheap. What we want to be able to give is honest, sincere appreciation, lavish people with praise. And here's the difference between flattery and, and true appreciation. True appreciation has specifics attached to it, which doesn't mean just, hey, good job, Tom. It's, Tom, great job. I love the way in which you did this, how you communicated that. Uh, you know, just the way that you interact with customers or clients, oh, it's just so amazing. Like, I'm so glad you are on our team because without you, we wouldn't be the same. That's like the real appreciation because there's, there is something attached to it. Uh, we do this um, uh, uh, every Sunday in our uh, creative team. There's actually a room behind that screen up there. And our team, we get together every Sunday, and we, you know, we pray for you. Every Sunday before church, we, we all come together and we pray that you would experience God in a new way. We pray that, that uh, God would open your heart or open your mind up, maybe in a fresh way, that you would experience the love of Christ. And one thing that we also do is we, we give out what's called verbal high fives. Boom, verbal high five. And what this means is uh, it's not just a real high five. You have to say something, something that you saw in someone or something that you heard someone say. And you say, James, like uh, the way that you played electric guitar today, man, it just, I felt like God was playing through you, right? Like it just, it just uplifted my soul or, you know, like uh, Rusty, the way that you did sound, you know, how you were working on your issues and he was running around setting, like he got here early and he was setting things up like, Thank you for your time and your commitment. That's a verbal high five. And so we just go around and it's like, hey, verbal high five to Chris for this. Hey, verbal high five to that. Because ministry is hard enough. Life is hard enough. Going to school, being a parent, going to, you know, your job is hard enough for just to get uh, uh, complaining, criticizing, and condemning. And so what we want to do is we want to we lavish people with praise because what that brings is life to others. It brings a wholeness in the heart that's like what I do matters. What I do counts. And so you can do this too. You know, you could do this around your dinner table. You get your family together after school, and you can just go, hey, let's do verbal high fives tonight. Uh, and just say something what you saw someone do that you know. You saw your brother, you saw your mom, or something you heard, and you just go, oh, yeah. You know, hey, verbal high five to, to mom. You know, I, I saw that she did this, that, and the other. Um, or, hey, verbal high five to Sally. You know, she, she cleaned, I saw that she cleaned her room and no one even asked. That you could do this too, where you just appreciate one another. Um, and let your kids see you do that as husband and wife. To go, hey, verbal high five to dad. Did you guys know that he did this today for you guys? Just appreciate one another. It's just how to be a nice person is all it is. And let me just tell you this, if, if you're in a, in a destructive relationship, a bad relationship, your marriage doesn't feel like, marriage feels like it's on the rocks, or maybe that you have a poor relationship with a child living in your house, can I just say, if not one reason, a large reason, or the main reason, it's because there's potentially poisonous words a part of it. And if you're in that relationship, change the habit of are you the little viper that's just spewing out? If so, that is just 
poison. And no, don't like elbow your, you know, your husband or your wife right now. Like, see, you're just a viper when I get home. <laughs> That's still poison, okay? <laughs> Speak life-giving words any chance you get. Um, next thing is this, is speak life-giving words to yourself. Come on. There is so much self-talk that we do to ourselves. Um, I was at this uh, training seminar down at Life Center earlier this week, and this uh, professional coach and mentor was kind of giving some of his tips. And he was talking about how we interact in conversations with one another. And he was talking about this Harvard neuroscientist that did this whole thing. And what he discovered was... When we're in conversation talking to another person, just over dinner or just on the sidewalk, whatever, 40% of the conversation is just about ourselves. And so I went, I was like, this sounds like a really interesting study. So I went and looked it up, and it was this team of neuroscientists at Harvard, and they did this study. And what they found is we like to talk about ourselves a lot. You like to talk about yourself. And 40% um, of the time, just the words coming out of your mouth is about you. That doesn't account for your thoughts in your head. And so if our words, spoken words, and our thoughts in our head, a lot of it is about me. And for you, it's about you. There's a lot of self-talk. And if that self-talk is poison as well, and if the talk that you're speaking to yourself is poison as well, and you are not grounding and rooting it in the Bible, the wellspring of life, God's words, that is poison to your heart and to your soul. And so learn to speak life-giving words to yourself. This is what Mar uh, in Mark 11 um, uh, says, If anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. That you have to speak life to yourself, to your circumstances. And no, this is not like a name it and claim it theology, right? Like say it in Jesus Christ, it's yours. It's no blab it, grab it out of the air. And no, this is not what we're talking about here. That's a false representation of a good scripture in theology or in the Bible that represents a poor theology. This here is saying, speak life to your circumstances. God is a part of what you're going through. God is a part of your life. He's there. He's with you. Speak life to it, and God will continue to move and, and do really great things in your life. So that means when you're thinking like, oh, my just schedule is so insane. It's like, no, I'm equipped by God to do this. I've been given gifts to accomplish this task. I'm just an average person. No, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Or I'm just used goods. No one will ever love me again. No, you have the righteousness of God. Or I'll never amount to anything. No, God has plans for me to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future where I'll always just be miserable. No, I have everything I need in Christ. Or I'll never make it out of this scenario, out of this this moment or this predicament. No, I have faith in a big God for this. You know, I wrestle with a lot of uh, anxiety over the course of my life when I was a child, when I was an adult, seeing doctors, counselors. A lot of people have really helped me a lot. But there's sometimes moments when you just find yourself in a situation and you just don't know how to get out. And there's moments, if you ever found yourself in a, a moment in a situation where you just don't even know what to say, you don't even know what to pray. All it's just is like, I don't like it, Lord. 
or just like, take it away, right? You just don't even know what to pray. And sometimes that happens. And when you face battles in your own heart or in your own soul or you're in situations and you just don't know what to say, we need to learn to, to uh, lean on God's word. So that means when, when you don't know what to say, um, you just uh, start praying in this way, okay? And this is just a tool that, you know, my dad gave me and just said, hey, Nate, when you're experiencing this, I just want you to read the scripture out loud to yourself. Because sometimes you don't know what to pray, but the thing is, is that we serve uh, uh, a God who Jesus Christ is your advocate and your intercessory uh, uh, intercedes on your behalf to the Father. Jesus knows what your heart is desiring. God knows what is in your soul and what you should be praying. And so sometimes when you're just in this moment that you don't know what to say, you just speak things like this out loud. And so I would read Ephesians 6. And I would read it out loud to myself in times of distress. And this is, this is what I would do right here. I would, I would read, finally, Nate, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that I may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For I do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in every heavenly, all the heavenly places. Therefore, Nate, take up the whole armor of God, that I might be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Nate, stand firm. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you don't know what your heart needs, but Jesus knows. God knows exactly what to say. And there are times that what we need to do is just speak life over ourselves, into the circumstances, into those hurt places in your soul or in your heart. You need to just speak life into those areas that sometimes you just don't have words to put together. Speak life to those as well. Let us be life givers not life takers. Who can you speak life to today? What relationship can you breathe life into today? What person do you need to lavish with praise? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what we need to do is make sure that this these words of God are in our heart. God wants to do something in your life. Wouldn't it be great if we were a community of people who just spoke life 
into our, our educators, spoke life into teachers, into coaches, if we just spoke life into our community, spoke life into relationships, into marriages, into our children, if we were a community of believers who just wanted to speak life and see God's church built and lavished others with praise, I believe God would do some pretty incredible things. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word and how good it is. Thank you that we can identify ourselves in you, that we are chosen, we are called, we are loved, we are your masterpiece. Lord, we need you. God, use our words that we might glorify your name. Give us wisdom that we not, might not speak with flattery. God, that we would speak with lavish praise for others. God, we want to be a people who represents you well, not just with our lives, not just with our actions, but with our words. Thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, if you're new here, I would love to meet you. Uh, I'll be right over here with my wife, Chantel, underneath this monitor. We'd love to meet you if you're newer, newer to the church. Uh, pastor Jacob will, or, uh, will be over here as well. Actually, he's not a pastor yet, but he's training. Um, and if you're in need of prayer, uh, there'll be people over here that love to pray for you. Um, God bless you. Have a wonderful day.